My nephew uh, broke his arm that way. <laughs> By putting googly eyes on the back of a horse? <laughs> the back of the horse part, not the googly eyes part. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, don't put googly eyes on the back of a horse. Uh, that should be the tagline. Howdy folks, this is HedgePod, a podcast about how our mass media reinforces the cultural hegemony of the ruling class. I'm Jack, my pronouns are they and them, I'm also okay with he and him. I'm Nova, my pronouns are he and him. I'm Athena, my pronouns are she, they. And what we do here is explain and explore the many ways that popular media is used to consciously and unconsciously enforce the ideology of the ruling class. Cultural hegemony is a component of Marxist philosophy. We're leftists here, which means we have radical takes like, you should support unions. Why do we keep having this one come up? Guys, we got labor strikes going on in the Bisco plants, a brand new... We had Frito-Lay happening. Let's... We got to support our unions. This is a this is a, a, a serious thing uh, that that we need to harp on a little. People should not be suffering for Oreos to be produced. There should not be a human suffering cost for Oreos or potato yeah, chips. No, and just people talking about having to work for you know five weeks straight without a break and stuff like that. Like it's un- unreal. How do they even get away with that? I mean, I thought this stuff was like directly illegal in most cases. Well, yeah, I don't know. Even if it is illegal, it doesn't matter if you have no one to enforce um, rules on those in charge. And, like, how complicated can it be to make an Oreo that there is misery associated with making one? So, uh, uh, you know, aside from that, we're, we uh, what we've been doing here is uh, we've been watching uh, pieces of mass media. And this season we've been talking about... Uh, animated series we had a a really spectacular episode last time i hope to continue that trend with the new format um but this time we're going to be watching an episode of bob's burgers nova you want to get us up to speed on what the the show is all about in general Alright, content warnings for this episode are child labor, unsafe labor practices, and children doing work that can be permanently damaging. Uh, Also, probably workplace discrimination against people with disabilities. Alright, so the show is, um, it takes place in like a small kind of touristy town, and uh, there's a boardwalk nearby. Bob of Bob's Burgers is a small business owner he owns a little like hole-in-the-wall diner where they serve burgers hence the show's name and uh, he's kind of scraping by on a shoestring budget the family uh, it's him his wife uh, a, a daughter and then a son and then another daughter who's the youngest uh, and that's uh, Tina Eugene and Luis as the youngest uh, Luis has always got the kind of bunny hat on and so they're trying, they're basically trying to get by under capitalism with these limited resources and trying to provide the best life that he can for his family. And they get in all kinds of hijinks and stuff. Uh, and it's a very, from a leftist perspective, it is a terrific show. It might be one of the better ones out there. Uh, yeah. And this is, this shows a great example of that. This is the, like, I've seen clips that I've really liked. But this was the first full episode, and I need to go and watch. Like, I really want to watch this show now. <laughs> Honestly, I feel the same way after watching this one. I was like, "This is a this is a solid take." There, there's some really good politics in this one. So this one was uh, "Tween Entrepreneurs" was the name of the episode. It was from season nine, episode three, uh, and I'm not exactly sure when it original air date was, uh, but I think it's like 2013, maybe something like that. 2018. They reference Elon Musk in it, so that puts a bit of a date on it. Oh, I have that. I have that on my in my notes. <laughs> yeah, so my notes are a little scattered here, so uh, I, I'm just gonna kind of pick a pick a point here, and I'm I'm curious to see if if it uh, lines up with with some of the things that that y'all have seen. So the very first thing that well, okay, so the the episode structured in that they. The, the kids, the tweens, or, or, uh, Tina, has to make a uh, 
they they have like a small business sort of concept in their classroom, right? Like they have to build a business. Entrepreneurship is no walk in the park. One day you have a thriving Etsy business selling hand-knitted Doctor Who scarves. The next, a PBS lawyer sends you a cease and desist letter that practically threatens to break your fingers. The way that they do it is to is to do this thing where they're like, you know, you're going to be in charge of everything. You can, uh, you know, you're you're going to be run the business. The, the students are going to do it all, uh, except for I'll just supervise it. <laughs> and. Uh, you know, one of the students is like, oh, you mean so it's like it always then, so we don't actually have final say in anything, <laughs> you know, you're just going to oversee it. Uh, oh, see, I thought that joke was like, because it was like, oh, and you kids are going to run everything, and it was like, okay, so just like always, as in like the kids always run the classroom for that particular teacher. Yeah, I think that's oh, what yeah. she was getting at there. Yeah, I think so. Maybe I misread that. Uh, mis uh, misheard that in the in the joke. Well, it, it, it either way, it reminded me of this thing that I used to go to. Uh, I didn't used to go to it, but I was selected for it in uh, when I was a junior in high school. I got elected to do this thing called Boys State. I don't know if anybody's ever heard of that, but well, I have, but that's because I've heard of it, but it's because of a documentary. Yeah, in uh, in Oklahoma, they have this thing called Boys State and Girls State, and the concept of it is that they teach you how government works by uh, putting, they, they select you, it's made to be this prestigious thing, like you have to be a really good achiever in school and everything. They basically do the same thing like we talked about in the MASH episode about the ASVAB scores, and they have somebody come and talk to you and say, hey, you really, you know, you're a really exceptional student here, we want to select you to do this thing, and we're only going to pick one from each school, and so on. And they basically put you in a, in a, on a college campus that you have to be on, on for a week, and the whole thing is structured to be like a state. You have to elect officials, and you're supposed to be learning how government works. But they make you march everywhere, and like you have to walk to one place or the other as a city, which is like the floor of your dorm building, which each dorm building is a county. And it's just this awful mess of like trying to make a microcosm of the things in this episode reminded me of that so much wasn't there also a lot of like flag worship there oh yeah it sounds like sure. intensive indoctrination oh yeah it's in well it is intense clay was part of the because they have a there's all the normal stuff but when you're there you can get picked to be part of the cops mm. and you get you get to go through cop training like you mm -hmm. they have people there that'll put mind you it's watered down because yeah. so each each place has to like make its own laws and make its own you have to have a mayor and a chief of police and and everything like that and then the police are in charge of enforcement and blah 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 all this stuff and it's all designed to like make it seem like a, see this is just what happens when we when we you know uh, have a society but nobody ever really stops and asks like why do we why do we need all of this you know like our 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 city is operating fine without you know these restrictive laws and stuff the funny thing about it is that most of the rules for the camp are already baked into the camp itself. Like, you can't go anywhere or do anything. So there's not really anything left to enforce. So what, what happens is <laughs> the students just write arbitrary legislation that, that's totally meaningless and has to find a way to execute it all in the span of a week. It, it, it's possibly, like, the most ridiculous thing Um it does sound like a great demonstration of like American politics and society, though. It, it, it is, and that's the irony of it, is that like that kind of was what got, got me turned on to politics in general, and not in a way that it was intended to. Uh, it was just the, the first time that I met you know, anybody that was identified as a liberal. I didn't know the difference between liberal, conservative, or what that was, or left-wing wing or right-wing. I didn't know nothing. I was, in, I was a junior in high school and you know, grew up in a rural uh, part of the country. And uh, so it was very interesting to kind of see someone from the city's take on the flag worship and the standing ovations and the, the you know, and this was in 2004, so we had just, you know, oh boy. you know, went into Afghanistan. So it was a lot of, you know, the terrorists want to kill you and, you know, they, they, they want to take away your way of life. And they just told us this stuff in the auditorium for eight hours a day pretty much but to get back to the show 
the whole yeah. concept of like the way that Tina has to make this product and build this business is is so similar to that. Like we're gonna let the kids run it, you know. And it's it's the whole the whole classroom. It's what um, I think eight kids total. Um, it's like an elective class, I think. Because I know later on in the show, Luis mentions that the other comparable classes uh, are even worse and even more unpleasant, which is why she's still staying in that one. Um, at the very early on, when they talk about it, they go, um, yeah, we're going to be like a, a group of people who start from nothing and work our way up like Elon Musk. <laughs> no. Oh, yeah. No. Yeah. Bad show. <laughs> no, like Did the they... bad part of the show. Like, I was... Trying to make a joke. Did there. they say it in jest? Did, well, yeah, I it... think because it's it's uh, a kind of an unreliable narrator, as it's you know Louise saying it, and you know she's not <laughs> always. Going I, to I honestly couldn't tell. Things. I couldn't. I couldn't I... tell if the show, based on the rest of the show's politics, I have to kind of believe that they were poking fun. It's uh, it's kind of hard. It, the way it is given, it is kind of hard to know if it's. Yeah, the unreliable narrator part checks out to me i i think that that's that seems like and you know you the know, stuff that they get into later with the unsafe working conditions is definitely a very tesla factory kind of situation mm-hmm. there yeah I, I i apparently am going to be the person that says you need to listen to this episode or watch this or what but there's a behind the bastards on elon musk and i if you want if you want to know how, like he had he had a bad childhood and i feel bad for him in that regard but as far as like privileged go I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I, I don't have an emerald mine. My parents didn't accidentally own an emerald mine because of a plane. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, something I definitely want to get into is when <clears throat> the kids are figuring out the division of labor. So it's after they've done the brainstorming process, and you see, you know, as in so many brainstorming processes, uh, most of the ideas are terrible. But there's one that gets through that clicks with people, hey, and so they, they roll with that. I thought Horse Clown Nose was just very good, and I am sad that it didn't go through. They kind of do the uh, a similar concept to the Horse Clown Nose when they eventually figure out what to do with all the googly eyes. Mm. That's fair. I think but, she kind of uses put, that rude idea. Googly. Don't put googly eyes on um, the front of a horse, and also be careful if you're going to put googly eyes on the rear of a horse. You can get kicked, and that can be dangerous. Hedgepaw does not endorse getting kicked by horses. <laughs> My nephew uh, broke his arm that way. Not by putting googly, googly eyes on the back of a horse? The back of the horse part, <laughs> not the googly eyes part. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, don't put googly eyes on the back of a horse. Uh, that should be the tagline. <laughs> for this, yeah, I'm, I'm probably going to lift that and put it in the start of this episode. I'm not going to lie. I'm okay with that. But yeah, so after that, after they uh, do the brainstorming, and they've landed on the idea of making the woodchuck, which is a piece of wood with uh, googly eyes on it and a smiley face. Looks like woodchucks it is! Great. Jimmy Jr. should be president because he did invent woodchuck. I should be vice president of sales because people literally cannot say no to me. Hey, I'll be the executive in charge of sitting on corners of desks. Keep with the mood light. Who needs a nickname? How about you, side pony? Doesn't somebody have to make them? Oh, yeah, you gotta saw the wood, sand it, stain it, stick on the googly eyes just right. Ew, so you and you and you and you can do that. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Job well done. I mean, my job. You guys are just getting started. Mm. Very Plank vibes from Ed, Ed, and Eddie. Yes, yeah. Plank from Ed, Ed, and Eddie. That was my exact thought, too. Yeah. And it's sanded down and it's stained. Uh, so there's you know a fair amount of work that goes into each of them. Uh, so the kids then have to figure out who's going to have what job. And instead of everybody being part of assembly and everybody being part of sales and working, you know, everyone kind of working together or taking turns switching between roles... Uh, Tammy, who is within the show, she is a quote-unquote popular kid at the school, and also, uh, you know, her parents have, uh, you know, they're financially comfortable. Mm-hmm. Very mean girl vibes. Yes. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so what she does is she names Jimmy Jr., who's the kid who comes up with the woodchuck, names him as the president because it was his idea, mm-hmm. and then names herself as VP of sales, subordinate to the president. Uh, and what I thought was real clever about that is that if she had gone right for the role of president, other kids might have argued over it. Why, you, why should you be the president? I should be the president. But it's socially a very clever thing to do 
to put somebody else into that role and kind of install them as president mm-hmm. because then it looks like you're showing humility and it shows that, you know, well, I'm just saying that this person would be the best person for the job, not mm-hmm. me, but this right. other person. Yeah, the I, person. I, I noticed that the, her entire thing there was just super manipulative. That's a thing that you see in the professional world often. I, especially I say, in sales. Yeah, especially in sales. Like, because let's 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 just cut the bull for a second. Uh, sales folks love to like fluff each other, right? Like they love. That's what the, that's the language that they speak. That's how they make their living is by, you know, blowing smoke and making people feel real good about themselves. And they do it within their own ranks too. They're like, you know. Uh, this person would be really good for this job. This person would be really good at that. They've got a they've got a skill set that just needs to, and this like whole sales mindset, it, it's a good way of like, getting people to be putty in your hands so that you can just, you know, shape and mold them to do whatever it is that I, you want. I am do. literally shuddering over here. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a very real thing that happens, and then whenever it comes time to you know, do some sort of risk-taking endeavor or anything like that. Well, hey, 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 I'm not, I'm not the president here. You know, I'm just the VP or whatever. Yeah, so the what the, what happens in this scene is the um, Zeke, who's kind of the school bully, uh, puts himself in as like a relations manager or something, you know, the, the sitting on the corner of the desk, glad-handing kind of manager. Mm-hmm. Um and, you know, those assholes are in every job, and we've all had to deal with them. And no one's, it's not really clear, clear what value they add to the company at any point, but somehow mm-hmm. they're always in those management roles, and you can't They, they bring people skills. We went through this in um, uh, Office Space. <laughs> wow, that sawdust really travels back into the old respiratory system, but it's yeah, sawdust with a stain chaser. At least there's no ventilation. This job stinks. Each smile I draw is a lie. A damn lie! Well, the first batch is done. Now it's time to turn these chucks into bucks. Sales. The real work. Take our money! You and I are great at this. I know! Wood chucks making bucks! Um, so you have Zeke, Jimmy Jr. as the president, Tammy as the VP of sales, and Jocelyn as her assistant. And what they do is they form kind of the management core. And then they take the Belcher kids, you know, who are from a lower socioeconomic uh, place, and Rudy, who is a kid in the class who has asthma. And uh, they take those four and put them into production, into manufacturing the mm-hmm. woodchuck, and uh, being in a subordinate role then to uh, yeah. sales and the president and management. Also known as, you know, actually doing the work. <laughs> like, at this scale, having a sales manager and a president and, and HR and all this stuff is completely unnecessary. You know, we should point out, like, when you're in a business this small, it should be a huge red flag when any operation that's at this scale starts to structure itself in that way. Like, there's just no need for there to be a president that sits behind a desk. I mean, they, they physically and literally put barriers uh, in the form of cardboard cubicles between the management, quote-unquote, and the line workers, you know. It, it certainly seems like you're creating divisions with these uh, mm-hmm. divisions, as said in the show. What's with these cubicles? You literally boxed us in back there. We tried the open floor plan. It just wasn't working. We don't want to get sawdust in our soda. Okay, it just feels like you're creating a division with these divisions. Yeah, Tina completely calls out what it is when she talks to management. And when she goes in and talks to them, she goes back behind the barrier. And they are, they're sitting there eating snacks that they've uh, reinvested the company's profits into buying a soda stream and, a, and, a, and snacks and basically all this other just niceties for management. And when they go back in there, they, they try to invent this new position for her when she starts yeah. making waves. So essentially yeah, they're so trying to keep her quiet. Nova talked about that a lot in Office Space, I think. Yeah, and... Um, so yeah, what happens is you have a situation where the production staff, the labor, um, have no safety equipment at all, and they are sanding and staining in an enclosed area with no ventilation. And this is something that causes an awful 
lot of issues, you know, if anybody's ever worked with wood or worked with, you know, sawdust or stain, and they, they talk about all these problems in the show there, you know, you need to have ventilation, you need to have safety equipment, you need to have masks, you need to have goggles, you need to have gloves. Uh, you have to have these things because you're going... One of them has going... asthma. Yeah. And mm-hmm. they keep bringing that up that, you know, you need, this guy needs this stuff. You know, the, the kid needs, has asthma. He needs a mask to be safe and do this work. And management absolutely does not complain about it. Right. It's uh, dismissed as just, you know, griping uh, when Tina brings it up. I need to see Jimmy Jr. He's like super busy in a meeting or something. Why don't you tell me what it is and I will tell him. Fine. We need dust masks and band-aids and gloves and a timetable on when we'll be switching jobs. So you're crabby. Did I get it all? Ugh. Hey! You bought snacks, too? No, just chips and chocolate-covered almonds and a second kind of chocolate-covered almonds. And then when Tina later joins management, she never... You know, they, they keep asking her to do something about it, and she keeps you know, kind of punting it. Uh, yeah, and I she had... always says, working on it. I'm, I'm working on that. That's, the, I mean, the, the line, but, you know. Yeah. But Tina's important to go over there because, see, she's going to change everything from the inside out. She's going to mm. be the eyes and ears. Her words is, I'm going to be your eyes and ears over there. Yeah. Look Making how well that from works. Within. Yeah. yeah, so Making... after after a montage of kids buying woodchucks and the assembly workers putting everything together in unpleasant conditions, then the management staff celebrate having 100 units sold, talking about how hard they worked, uh, like when they had to eat cupcakes that were brought in for a birthday. But none of those cupcakes <laughs> were you know, sent down to the production workers because they have that separation there. And mm-hmm. I've worked in the... Uh, global headquarters for a multinational manufacturing company and it is absolutely like that the executives and you know their support staff at the headquarters building a lot of the times don't even see the factory workers who are absolutely essential far more essential than anybody else uh, you know for the operation of the company they don't even see them as people typically you know it's Mm. just resources it's just Mm. pawns on a board uh, so oh, this man. really I, I completely forgot about this, but like I actually, through a series of events, ended up baking like birthday cakes for um, uh, my partner Clay's uh, work when he worked at um, a dental call-in place. Um, mm-hmm. And there were some shenanigans there that I could get into, but that's a whole story. But... Um, so I, I was making these these cakes for them, and I there was a point where I was getting paid for it, but I they basically um, ended my contract with the whole thing when um, they moved into an office with more people. So because I couldn't make enough for the people, or they couldn't pay me enough, which wasn't that much anyway, to make for the um, workers and for the office people. Um, they they just cut it off. They they cut off the contract mm. of doing that, and no one got cupcakes or cakes because mm. um, I was originally just making some for the call center people, but mm. now because I couldn't make them for the call center people and the and the higher ups who are now in the same office, then mm. then they shut it down. Yeah, right. It, that's the that's the uh, that's the exact same thing. I know you've talked about office space a number of times and referenced it, but that was the same thing. That now now don't be greedy. We have to have enough for everyone. We have to make sure everyone gets a piece. And what they mean by everyone is they mean management. They mean leadership. You know, any of those euphemisms that, that mean, you know, higher-ups, essentially. I had completely everyone forgot never, about that. Yeah, everyone never means everyone when you're in a business. Everyone means everyone who's important, quote-unquote, in the eyes of the company. Which, that's another thing that are, Tina says. Are you says. a human or are you a human resource? Yeah. Yeah, Tina says that. She she says something uh, along the lines that stood out to me. Uh, I just want to do what's best for the company. When they confront her about these things, they say, hey, hey, we, we you know, they. I think she goes back and talks to management and they're like, hey, we're not, ha- we don't have a problem here, do we? You know, something along those lines. And she's like, I, I just want to do what's best for the company. And it just, th- as soon as she said that, that image of the is this good for the company banner and office space came into my mind, you know? And we, yeah, I know we went on a whole harangue about that, but just this whole idea of people setting their dignity aside and not only their dignity, but their personal scruples about what they think is ethically and morally correct to do, setting them aside completely to do 
what's quote unquote right for the company. And it's a very common and very dangerous mindset that we have, especially in America. It's so gross too, because it's like, who the, who the, I am like, I know it's a big thing and I know it's, there's history context here, but I am so sick and tired of this whole idea that we need to treat companies like they're people. Like who the fuck cares about this entity if the individual people inside the entity are getting the shaft, like, seriously. We, tr- we treat companies better than individuals mm-hmm. in this country. I mean, like, they company corporations have more rights than individuals. Like, it, it, and they're always going to have more resources. <laughs> this is so. where I plug in American Rule. <laughs> what is that? It's a book. <laughs> oh, okay. It, Do it. I, I, I'm, I'm here for it. You know, anything you want to <laughs> reference or plug or whatever, I... Like, I want the listeners to hear it, and I want to hear it myself and read it. You know, let's I'll link it in the description. Let's do it. <laughs> that one's a bit more of a slog, though, than um, how fascism works. I got you. So I, I do want to jump uh, I want to jump to the, the side plot. So there's a side plot that's going on with uh, this Dine and Dasher that's in actual Bob's Burgers, because you know, it shows Bob's Burgers. we got to check in on Bob every once in a while. So... What's going on in Bob's Burgers is that there's this guy that comes in and he's he's basically a scammer. The first thing he does, he says, it, she says like, "Can I get you anything else, or is, do you take need anything time. else?" Or, yeah, take your time. And he's like, "Well, in that case," and then just bolts, you know. And uh, so they get they get flustered about that. But it made me. He, Bob tries to chase him down the road, and he he gets like you know just out of frame and it, and it, you can hear him panting and coming back he's like I couldn't catch him but it made me think I put this in my notes it made me think this is the this is the only place in America where we completely and fully rely on the honor system in business and 99% of the time it just works like all of this this problem that we have with tip culture problems that we have with you know anything to do with restaurants and stuff like we completely rely on people to just get eat their food get their bill and then pay that bill after they've already consumed the product what other business or line of work do you perform the service and then you know get the bill well that's probably a bad question cuz that's how our healthcare system works too but there's no dine and dash you know in in in, uh, in well. healthcare you can't go and Unless it's a bigger restaurant, because um, I have I have no doubts that a bigger restaurant, like, I don't know, uh, I'm not going to name any, because I just realized that that could be into suing territories, yeah. but uh, <laughs> um, I, I have no doubt that bigger chains would have no problems calling cops on you, and the cops would do what they want, because of the how they work. Sure. But, like, yeah, smaller restaurants and stuff, like, I mean, it's like, like, Bob didn't call the cops. But even still then, even if you did call the cops, like, what are you going to have, a vague description, and they're just going to come and, like, shoot every dog and Yeah, they wouldn't, they wouldn't even do anything, and I think that that might actually be why he doesn't call the police. Yeah. Because uh, there's not I, anything so they cool. could do about it. Um, you know, the guys, by the time they got out there, the guy would be long gone. Uh, mm-hmm. The most you could get is what you'll see at, like, some really big restaurants and, like, you know, Dave and Buster's or whatever, is you'll see uh, an off-duty cop who gets paid to stand around outside. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that's yeah, about I, the best you can get. I will say, um, where I'm from, I have no doubt that a small town um, restaurant person around here would definitely try to call the cops on them. Yeah, and I think that you'd be more inclined to have that happen because, for one, they're, uh, you know, a small business is going to be a lot more desperate for, you know, m- losing revenue. Um, That's one of the things could, that I didn't, uh, you know, that I, that disposes me, I guess makes me think of the, the Dine and Dasher and kind of any of light in this case, is that he's not uh, targeting a big chain restaurant. He's targeting small businesses that mm-hmm. are, like, like I said before, operating on a shoestring budget. You know, he's, it's working class preying on working class, which is one of the things mm-hmm. that I like the least about uh, a lot of scammers out there. Like if mm-hmm. you, if you're taken from people who have too much, it's not going to bother me that much. But if you're taking no. from people who have nothing and it's just the same, nothing getting stolen back and forth. Then, There's a reason you know, why we love anybody. Robin hood. Here you go. No rush. Uh, excuse me. Did you say 
No rush? Yeah, whenever you're ready, hon. Well, then I guess that would be... Yeah. Never! <gasps> a Dine Dash of Bob! Oh, my God! How big a check? 750 plus tip! He liked me! There would have been a tip! That's... Yeah, yeah. I was, was going to say the exact same thing. Like, it, it's even taught to us. Like, he robbed from the rich to give to the poor. But yet... If we really start pulling on that thread, it was, oh, so you mean he went to Walmart and stole groceries to give to people that don't need them? Now, 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 now. Let's let's not let's not go that far. But how is it different? But you know? I mean, if you do that to Walmart, they're just gonna be mean to the workers, which me and you both have had this argument with someone in our lives. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, yeah, they're gonna be mean to him anyway. I also think that shopping at Walmart is pretty gross because Walmart steals immense amounts of resources from small communities and gives back almost nothing. Uh, in fact, Walmart we subsidize... Walmart is a parasite. It, it is. I mean, we subsidize their work, their workforce by, you know, they're, they're, they have the number one percentage of of people on, on SNAP benefits that work for Walmart. I mean, more, more than any other business in the country. And, you know, the Walton family is laughing all the way to the bank about it. Like, we can do better than this, folks. I was just going to say, they steal from your communities, and so, you know. I was just... Uh, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna sit here and bite my tongue because I. I will. It, you, <laughs> there are certain topics that if you poke, I will be like, oh, oh, you. You want to talk about Walmart? You want to talk about Walmart? Yeah. I'll talk about Walmart. <laughs> I will say this: it I is mean, I, in, wage theft by employers, which is not considered a crime, is the single largest theft in terms of you know amount stolen in the entire country. It is absolutely impossible for any, you know, shoplifter or scammer or whatever to steal as much from any big box store as that store does on a daily basis from their employees. Hmm. By a, by the daily second. Yeah. Yeah, by a damn sight, and it's a long shot. Like, not even close. Not even close. Anyway, so, getting yeah, back, to back to this. Show. Boy, I really could use it. Dust mask. <sighs> if every other class wasn't literally worse than a sweatshop, I'd transfer out of here so fast. Mr. Fron, do you think we could switch jobs soon? Oh, sure, Tina. We'll just switch jobs. Like, people never get stuck in the same job their whole career. I'm going to go talk to those guys. This is ridiculous. Can I help you? This poor guy that's working in the... In the uh on the woodchucks is sitting here like asking every single time that that tina comes around any progress on my dusk mask and i i I love that it's it's a very subtle thing in my opinion but he keeps working through it at no point is he like i i can't do this like it's actively harming me to create this product he starts seeing woodchucks everywhere he starts, yeah, he's, first he's seeing spots, and then he's eventually seeing little woodchucks everywhere. Is you know, he's, because he's getting brain damage from the fumes, from the stain, and from right. the sawdust that's impeding his oxygen. Right. You know, the whole time, hey, I'm working on it, I'm working on it. When really working on it just amounts to going back and asking the same people who don't care over and over again. And how many times have any of us been there professionally? Like, I mean... There's something that you or, or somebody that you know needs an obstacle they need to clear to be able to perform the function that management expects them to do, and management will not even provide the clearance to that obstacle. Yeah, so well, you know, like pretty early in my case, on, I just don't even get hired. Yeah. So, <laughs> so pretty early on, Tina says she's going to go speak to management, and uh, she winds up in front of Tammy, who set herself up as the you know VP of sales as the kind of intermediary before the executive level. Uh, kind of the keeper of the keys. Uh, you know, Tina presents the demands of the workers, saying that they need safety equipment, they need to know when jobs will be switched around, because the classes, you know, the, the social and worker classes within the uh, twin entrepreneurs, they aren't supposed to be set in stone. They're supposed to be taking turns so that everybody can have an education yeah. and get different experiences uh, within the different fields of business. Uh, but... Uh, Tammy downplays their concerns, and uh, then Tina, you know, goes and sees that they're all eating snacks, and uh, she says something that I think will resonate for a lot of us. She says, look, it seems like the Sanders and Stainers are doing all the frickin' work while management sits on their damn butts. Look, it seems like the Sanders and Stainers are doing all the frickin' work while management sits on their damn butts. Ho, ho, ho! Language! NSFW, girl! Huh, maybe Tina has a point. We should take turns. What? Hold up. Tina, have an almond. I don't want an almond. Mm. So and another. Mm. Something I thought was funny after that is that she gets chided for her language by Zeke, 
And what that mm. made me think of is the way that you'll have uh, kind of the neoliberal political class uh, tone mm. police in order to shut down people with legitimate complaints. They'll yeah. be like, well, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. you used, you, your voice was raised, you used uh, mm-hmm. foul language. You know, we need you to focus on fuck. that instead of on the concerns yeah. that you've raised. Uh, that is 100%. Probably the most infuriating thing that was triggering to me in this episode, because I've definitely been on the receiving end of that before, uh, in many, not just professionally, but in my personal life, too. I don't like your tone. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't like your tone, and therefore I'm going to throw out all these legitimate complaints that you made uh, because you were passionate, can, you know? Can, can I just be, can I be up front? Like, I... I don't want to. I don't want to ruffle any feathers, and and pardon me, but um, I think I speak for all of us when I say, "Fuck your civility." Uh, yeah, I, I mean, fuck it's, it. It, it. It's very. There's a time for civility, and there's a time for discourse and policy and procedure, but whenever the doors are so locked and and the walls and the funnels are created so that the only way, the only opportunity you're ever ever given, uh, to make any sort of change is a curated one minute uh a a form of dissent that is yeah if you just yeah exactly just go out and vote it's time to vote only problem is in a workplace you don't get a vote so you know and 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 then uh, we're gonna like uh drag the voting people into the mud that came out and you know had to go overcome barriers to vote and of course, I speak mm-hmm. of how the Democrats um, fucked over the black voters last time around. Good luck with the good luck with twenty 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 four guys. Good luck. Yeah, I mean, and the <laughs> the the biggest equivalent that you have in the workplace of voting would be you know talking to your HR rep or what have you, whoever your team lead, whoever Tina is essentially. Follow the chain of command. And yeah, and if you follow that chain, and then the chain just stops dead, then you know. You're never gonna get through. So the tone police is, yeah, 100%. She she comes in and 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 has a legitimate gripe, that is a factual observation. Uh, but then they dismiss they dismiss it completely because she, you know, used the poo poo pee poo word. And then Tammy uh, starts buying off, you know, starts walking and talking with uh, Tina. Buys her off with the chocolate and soda, and her own office that they've set up for her. Let's take a walk. You are raising some amazing points. I hope someone's writing them down. I wrote them down. Oopsies, well, there that went. So maybe you could keep all your smarty ideas going as our new Sander and Stainer relations manager. Manager? Mm-hmm, you'd be in here. This is kind of nice. Have a seat. The chair is an exercise ball. Whoa. Jocelyn, could you bring us two sodas? Okay! Did you just make a buzz sound with your voice? Mm-hmm, I did. And so can you. Feels good, right? Yeah. What's interesting is that that empty, you know, cubicle within the cardboard divisions that they built had already been there. I suspect Mm -hmm. that Tammy was waiting for the first worker to show up because otherwise, why would it have been Mm -hmm. there? Uh, Was waiting for the first worker to show up who had the drive to actually go and complain to management. And then she subverts that worker and co-ops them and brings them over to the management side. And uh, is it able, you know, she buys her off with the chocolate, with the soda, with the, you know, exercise ball and a, ch- and a desk. And uh, Tina accepts it saying, oh, okay, well, I guess it's good for the company. And then when she explains it to the other laborers, she says, you know, I'll be an advocate for you. I'll be on the management side, but I'm still, you know, one of you all. I'll still be speaking for you. Uh, but, you know, mm-hmm. at the end of all that, Rudy still needs a dusk mask. Like, that yeah. still hasn't been done I'm going to be honest, that's pretty uh, astute observation there. Well, I totally, that went by me, you know. Yeah, because that, that's some of the stuff that you brought up. And we're going to be talking about Office Space a lot. Because, like, you, you mentioned it with, um, um, oh, when he starts, like, saying no and doing all this stuff. They're like, ah, he's management material. Yeah, right. I guess it's not so, quite like that, though. Squeaky wheel. Well, it's... it's yeah, they had a. The, the, I think the point being that, and this is the point that I miss, is that they had something specifically set aside for the first person that was ready to dissent, so they could, you know, you know, get, you know, placate them and be like, "See, we we, we hire from within." Yeah, <laughs> you know? and you know? by doing that, it will. Um, now they have a new gatekeeper with mm-hmm. with a face that they know that will help further squash any yeah. dissent. 
It's pretty brilliant, and it and I wish I could say that this was all designed like, but it's honestly this is a product of you know a hundred years of well plus a hundred plus years of capitalist uh, structure. Well, and you know this is this is it is a very smart industrial show revolution. too. And it's, you know, this was the ninth season of a pretty smart show. So it is entirely possible that even if, you know, the, the character wasn't thinking like that, that the people who put the show together were doing all of that intentionally. Like, I, I think that, you know, there's this is a pretty tight show. And I think everything in here has mm. purpose and intent behind it. Mm. Now, here's the real question. Who the hell is Tammy's parents? <laughs> I don't know. What do they do? Because <laughs> it, like, like, it definitely seems like she has a lot of inside knowledge on how to squash the working yeah. man. Yeah, yeah, she seems to be pretty savvy about... Uh, I, I guess this is what you'd call business savvy, or a shrewd business person. Uh, whenever I normally say that, I mean asshole. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but, you know. So, so, so company structure's in place... And naturally, where do we go from here? We need growth. We gotta have growth. You can't have capitalist entrepreneurship without that constant, constant growth. Yep. So, so something that Tina notices is that uh, the consumption of snacks by management is making it impossible for them to stay profitable. Uh, so, mm-hmm. in and in this, uh, I guess, analogy or metaphor, uh, snacks are like a stand-in for pay. So in conclusion, we're eating snacks faster than we're making woodchucks. So what I hear is we're doing our part. Yeah, so Sanders and Sanders gotta keep up with us. Well, if some of us helped out over there... Well, uh, I mean, not us. Obviously, we're slammed. So slammed. Why don't they just make them faster? How long does it even take to make a dumb woodchuck? Um, like 20 minutes? So if we cut that to 10 minutes, instead of one chuck, they could make... Whoa, math. I mean, they might have some rough edges. If you notice when she brings, you know, the snacks to the workers later on, it's, you know, half of some unpleasant muffin, but the executives get, you know, unlimited snacks all the time. You know, it's a great Mm -hmm. example of just the pittance, the minimum wage trickling down to the worker while the executive gets paid millions Mm -hmm. of dollars a year. I mean, on an economic basis, that is probably somewhat proportional to uh, the differences in values there. Um, so, because less snacks would mean less comfort for management, uh, they decide to, instead of helping assemble the woodchucks to make more woodchucks so that they can sell more woodchucks, uh, they decide management decides arbitrarily that the product should be made faster. And so Tina, using her yeah. knowledge as a former worker says that it takes 20 minutes to make one they think well why don't we just take 10 minutes to make one then tina says well if we can do it in 10 minutes why not do it in five minutes and then they go (laughs) and just hand that down to the workers who now have this arbitrary uh point to meet this new speed requirement that it is you know impossible to meet and still have any kind of standards of quality management being completely out of touch with how long it takes to do a job was jumped out at me uh, mm-hmm. so much on this because it's just like uh, you know just complete complete and total tone deafness you know like what do you mean it's going to only take an hour what do you mean it's going to have you ever done this before well when I do it it only takes yeah but you haven't had all these other conditions to deal with and plus you're you're not asking to do it the time it took to you to, for you to do it you're asking me to do it in twice in half the time you know continuously and which brings me to my uh, one of my I think probably all of our favorite uh, part of the episode, the quarter assin song. Yeah. The quarter assin, it's so good. Yep. The only way they discover, the only way they can get all this stuff done. <laughs> it's by cutting corners, yep. so they're on the not half ass. Half ass, and it's still a little too much. <laughs> yeah, just, so they're just a bit of the cheek. And you just get a great musical number out of that one. Um, but uh, and you also see you know, in I, there in that musical montage, you see that sales are suffering not only 
because the product's bad, because it is now. The, the quality has fallen markedly. It's not standardized anymore. Everything looks like crap. Uh, and you see that in the montage. But you also see that the sales reps, uh, Tammy and Jocelyn, are just, you know, dicking around on their phones instead of actually mm-hmm. selling any of the product. You know, they go forward. I had I had here that they they said somebody said something like, "I don't I don't want you to be." You're just turning into a, a, business, a business monster. monster. Yeah. So mm-hmm. they yeah. the kids come back into Bob's Burgers and they're you know catching up with their parents and uh, Eugene and Luis are uh, you know complaining about their workplace obviously because it's terrible and uh, then they you know they eventually leave because they're just you know furious about uh, Tina and about her betrayal of them. Uh, and Tina is coming up with all of these ideas for Bob for ways that he can increase profit. Uh, you know, she's doing kind of the MBA, the Masters of Business Administration thing. She's like, oh, mm-hmm. you can, you know, decrease the patty size and you and can she's increase She's only prices. been doing it for a little bit of time. Yeah. And uh, Bob hears all these things and he calls her a business monster. And she hears that as business mm-hmm. master. Mm-mm. Raise prices, mm. maybe buy a comb. Mm. You get this, Bob? You taking notes? Tina, you're sounding kind of like a business monster. I wouldn't say business master, just common sense. I, I said business monster. Can we circle back on this next week? I've got to make some calls. Also, the spinning made me nauseous. That stood out to me because management, people that have been in management for any extended period of time really do start to hear what they want to hear uh, from, from people. They get so used to being surrounded by sycophants or... Uh, people that are just afraid to rock the boat uh that they they quite literally will start to hear dissenting opinions or criticism as compliment uh because it's complicated right because like a lot of it's just downright narcissism you know but like how much of it is like you know like a, a little seed that's always there that blossoms under capitalism that cultivates narcissism Versus, like, how much of it is just completely introduced and stuff, you know? Well, and, you know, with an MBA, right. too, like, the educational process, they, like, they're told, you know, I had a middle management uh, a few years back, actually, a decade ago, oh, Jesus. I had a middle manager who <laughs> was getting his MBA and, you know, who bought into all this stuff and was an absolute pain in the ass to work for. And it's, you know, because these ideas get kind of indoctrinated into them and you know programmed into them in these MBA courses where it's not about how you build a product it's about how you become a business monster and it, and it becomes that's in any industry too you know again I've worked in the medical industry and they have euphemisms in medicine so that they they don't sound like business monsters that sounds like uh, you know it results in better patient care or they talk about outcomes outcomes is a, is a word I've heard thousands of times in the medical industry and it just basically means profit um but they 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 euphemize it because they don't want to sound crass they don't want to sound like they're you know putting profits over people's health which they absolutely are doing um so so after that we've got (laughs) naturally the 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 workers uh are gonna get fed up at some point they're getting run into the ground yep uh tina brings them uh, that like half of a raisin muffin or something and eventually they 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 walk out they've had enough of it so they're like i can't do this anymore they go they go quit they're gonna go on strike actually i i do really um feel it's a big mood um i know i'm normally the one with the names but i can't remember anyone's names yet uh the younger one uh Luis is the youngest one Luis. uh i i completely like resonate with her like Burn it. Let it all fall down into chaos. <laughs> like, she doesn't say any of that, but it just, it, that's the mood I get from her when she's just watching with glee as it all tumbles down. That's it. We're out. We're on strike. Wait, what? Hey, we, we, we can work this out. I, I think I can get you guys uh, soda spurt privileges. Maybe, maybe not flavored, but, but still uh, bubbles. Put your bubbles in your butt. Come on, guys. Fine. Where are you going to go with your skills? One of the other 10 woodchuck factories in town? Oh, that's right. We're the only one. Guys. Tammy, as a sales rep, reports to management that sales have tanked, and uh, management then complains about the quality control being garbage, about how, you know, the workers aren't correctly putting things together anymore. You know, for some reason. I guess if we just, you know, beat them harder, then they'll suddenly start putting things together better in an amount of time that is prohibitive for actually putting quality in. Uh, and uh, Tina says, oh, actually, the workforce walked out. Everybody's gone. <laughs> Uh, yeah. And she proposes her idea, the Woodchuck 2. 
and it's a uh, much lower quality product that is also simpler and cheaper to make. It's a little piece of wood, like one inch by two inches, with two googly eyes on it. No sanding, no staining, no faces or anything. And uh, she says that they can sell it for half price by squeezing their suppliers. And I thought that was funny because in the real world, this would be the time where management would contract with the factory in, like, Zhejiang province uh, to get crappy mass-produced woodchucks made out of plastic and then shipped to the U.S. on massive container ships. And that this is how... Because this is how many products that people loved and relied on that had a good label, like uh, the Craftsman line of tools from Sears. Uh, that's how a lot of those things mm. turned to shit, is because they went and decided to cut corners and you know ship the factories overseas and the jobs overseas. Yeah. Uh, and I know Walmart in the there's a documentary about Walmart where they talk about this where they would pressure manufacturers to lower prices and so the manufacturers would yeah. then close US factories and send the jobs overseas which would squeeze the suppliers and it would lead to uh, shitty disposable products but then those would and get that sold that is how the world works yep and then those <laughs> would get sold at a fraction of the price to the customer so that it seems like a great value so long as you don't think about how hard and how yeah. often you have to uh, replace things now? Yeah, and they, they when they go to put the squeeze on the on the supplier, which is just like a local craft shop in town. I thought that was kind of a funny thing. They they go and like try to swing their weight around, and the, <laughs> the owner's like, "What?" They're like, "Yo, we're gonna go to the other store across the town if you don't give us this a good deal on this. You want bulk prices? You gotta pay for bulk. So they gotta they gotta buy a a, a five thousand <laughs> googly eyes." And they're like, can we get it on credit? And and, and the uh, <laughs> the person behind the counter says, uh, do you have any idea how, how predatory interest rates work? <laughs> and Tina's like, not a clue. All right, sign here. By squeezing our suppliers. We got big ones coming in here demanding cut rate googly eye prices. You're going to do it too, dying mom and pop shop, or I take my business to the craft superstore in Bog Harbor. Yarn barn? On the outside it's shaped like a barn, but on the inside it looks like a normal store? It's ridiculous! Well, can't wait to see it. Yeah, bye. All right, fine. But if you want bulk prices, you take bulk quantity. 5,000 googlies. $100, no returns. Can we get them on credit? Depends. Are you familiar with the concept of jacked up interest rates? No. Then sign here. I don't know, Tina. That's like a big risk on something I still wouldn't hang out with. I believe in Woodchuck, too. I mean, I believe people buy anything with a higher number than the model that came before it. A lot of lot of different commentary going on. Oh, yeah. You've got the you've, the whole cycle, the whole business cycle, just the Ouroboros or whatever, eating the snake eating its own tail. You've of, got all the failures of capitalism on full display. You've got management now borrowing money that they don't have in order to stay afloat. You've got the craft stores, the creditors. Mm -hmm. uh, and then um, after Tina goes and has the uh, meeting with, uh, where she now is able to somehow bring the production workers back in, uh, you know, Luis, the youngest, is not interested in fixing the company because management broke it. But then she accidentally gives Tina the idea to sell the company to a sucker. Uh, so what happens then mm -hmm. is you have a company that has been loaded up with debt and that is then sold off to a capital group that's going to chop it up to, into pieces and sell off the pieces and make money off right. of that, which is uh, exactly what happened in Toys R Us, and I think it happened to a lot of other companies as well. Uh, that's what Mitt yeah. Romney's And when they go to, to offload the company... Oh, I thought it was... When they I thought it was just um, getting a loan from that guy. No, no, she was selling him the company. No. Oh, oh, was that yeah. the con? Yep. Was like in. Yeah. Oh, I got yeah. conned. <laughs> now we're invited to the meetings when the company's in the toilet and the snacks are gone. The snacks are gone? We gotta do something fast. We're up to our googly eyeballs in debt. Now, how can we raise some cash from these horrible woodchucks? Louise, you wanna kick things off with a perfect idea? Uh uh. You guys created this mess, not us. I will, however, bless this mess. You'll never unload these things. You might as well try to sell the whole stupid company. Yes, that's it. Unload the whole company and some unsuspecting fool. Ugh, I didn't mean to give you a real idea. So so the they when they go to offload the company, I this I wrote this in my notes too, that I, I think that that these investors rely entirely on FOMO, like to get which is fear of missing out. Like these the, the not the investors but the companies, they they prey on this whole like idea anything that's trying to get you to investment the the number one way that you can get somebody to invest is through fomo it's basically you say you're going to be missing an opportunity 
if you don't do this? What? Do you, what? Do you, how are you going to feel if you don't invest in this? Look, you know, Bitcoin is going up, garbage. up, up. Diamond hands hold yeah, the yeah. line. Yeah, exactly. And if you if you miss out on this, then you know you're just going to be you're going to be kicking yourself mm-hmm. down the road because you missed out on all these riches. You know, and they they play on that. They offload them big time. They get the investor. They 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 lean into the whole thing. Like, look, you're going to be missing an opportunity here. And then they'll bring up things uh, like, oh, well, um, remember, Apple used to be very tiny too. You know, and those people were thought of as uh, ridiculous for investing in the company. I love how the episode just takes on so many facets of the problems of capitalism. It's, it's a very, very I mean, complete uh, kind of skewering of the business world as like management, yeah. factory work, unsafe labor practices, funding, capital, just it's all in there. It's it's really impressive yeah. for, you know, mm-hmm. one of the plots in like a 21-minute show that it manages to right. touch on that much and depict it in a way that anybody who's, you know, worked in that world is immediately going to recognize. Right. The and and it makes it accessible too. So like if you go to if you go to draw a comparison between, you know, your work conditions or you see this sort of thing work, it's like this is just like in Bob's Burgers, whenever they refused to give them the mask, because he was breathing in wood chip dust, and now instead of making a better quality product, they're making a worse quality product and selling it for a higher model number. They, they somebody says that I believe, it, I, I believe in this product that you do. I believe people will buy anything with a higher model number, you know, and that's so true. Yep, too. That, that gets like, into the, the, uh, the iPhone three, iPhone four, iPhone yeah, five. Yeah. Yeah. People got to buy the newest hotness. And that's you know. You see it in microtransactions. Yeah, it's they they, they do a great job of touching on all of it. I, I think that I, I think that this was a a really good episode to highlight as as an example of you know good politics, but also good good writing. I mean, like it's brilliant the amount of like you said content that they were able to just jam into this short time. The flow and the pacing of it is just. If I had somebody, I wanted to get into, like, the very earliest stages of, uh, like, kind of guiding them towards being a radical leftist, uh, I would probably start with this episode. Yeah, I, I think it's a great, I think it's a great thing, too, because it, it's not a, it's not a political lecture. It's not, you're not going to go into this and say, like, oh, is this, is this getting, is this political, is this getting political? People say that stuff all the time. Is this something that we're going to Yeah, there's no Republicans or no. Democrats in it. No. No, there's not. There's no elections. There's no. There's no. No politics. And also, there is politics. yeah, everything yeah. is politics. Every yeah, everything is politics. Politics, politics yeah. is how we interact like, with the world. If you want to tell me your privilege without telling me your privilege, come up to be like, well, I just don't want to be political. I just don't want to. Yeah. And I say that as right. someone who used to say that. I yeah. I recognize my my past. I. I, I hopefully have grown. <laughs> Real quick before we go, I wanted to touch on something from the, the kind of OSHA side of it and the safety and workplace thing and how, because um, Rudy asked for the mask, I think maybe close to half a dozen times he's asking for a mask. And you see oh, yeah. throughout the part yeah. where they're working, you see his you know health conditions from him get progressively worse and worse. And you know management just does nothing and just keeps punting on it. And I had, there was a time when I was doing a contract uh, working at a diesel uh, power plant uh, with big diesel generators, and we did not have all of the safety equipment that we needed. We needed uh, high voltage gloves and uh, like stop sticks, which are things that you use if you're trying to disconnect the generator from uh, kind of the rest of the power that's being mm-hmm. generated on the circuit. Uh, then you need to have mm-hmm. the equipment in order to do that, and uh, we tried for i think seven months to get this safety equipment and nothing 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 and uh one night uh one of our electricians one of our uh, diesel uh, electricians uh, got shocked very badly and he was very fortunate to have survived Mm. uh, because he was working on the generator and that side of it wound up being hot because he hadn't parked it and it hadn't been parked because we didn't have the tools to park it safely uh and he bumped the wrong thing and wound up getting uh four thousand volts into his hands and because his arms were resting on the frame of the generator 
uh, it went into his fingers and then ground out through his arms. And there was actually entry and exit wounds from Damn. the electricity. But because he was his arms were resting there, it didn't pass through his body, his whole body, which would have absolutely 100% killed him. Instead, it just damaged his hands. And, uh, and he was flash-blinded a little bit, too, and we didn't have, you know, the safety goggles to prevent that. You know, and after that, very quickly after that, we suddenly got all the safety equipment that we needed because it took somebody almost dying and getting severely injured, having to get airlifted yeah. out of there. You know, the... They say, a pretty common saying among trades workers is uh, OSHA regulations are written in blood. And that's yeah. one of those. Mm-hmm. You know, it I've happens. And management will punt every single time to save a buck. It doesn't matter to them because they're not the ones who are putting their lives on the line. They're not the ones who are at risk of being electrocuted. They're not the ones who are getting the sawdust and the stain in their lungs and sawdust in their eyes and splinters in their fingers. So they absolutely do not care and are incapable of caring about the safety concerns of the workers because from their perspective, so long as they're not paying out for a lawsuit, if something happens to somebody, you can always get another worker. What sucks too is like, I've, I've heard stories of people who, like, you know, they don't have the tools to make the area safe, but, you know, you'll, you'll like, look into, like, work sites and stuff, and they'll explain, it's like, oh, yeah, we can't get the stuff for this, so we have this taped here so you know to do this or that or whatever, and it's, like, so people are trying with what they have, but it really sucks, because, yeah, it's, it's always just going to end up in someone getting grievously injured or dying. And anybody refusing to do work because of OSHA standards or because of safety standards is immediately like thrown under the bus as like a yeah you're you're a bad seed like, at oh. that point you're you know a problem yeah. person they'll find ways to you know reduce your pay or fire you or kick you out the yeah. door. Yeah, when for I say whiner, usually if you work in a in a in a construction type of male dominated environment things like that you're gonna get called a lot worse than whiner. It's a lot of really hurtful like. Uh, you know, pretty damaging and traumatizing language that gets used whenever you're a dissenter when it comes to safety. And uh, I've seen a lot of people be on the receiving end of that sort of chiding. Um, and it sucks. It really sucks. I mean, somebody's trying to be safe and trying to raise the safety standards for the whole company. And, uh, you know, they get called this, that, or the other thing. It's, it's pretty, pretty terrible. God, how dare you? How dare you work for this company and not be willing to electrocute yourself? Look, it's about what's good for the company. We need to do what's what's good good for for the the company. company. And what's good for the company is making sure that management doesn't have to divert money to waste of money like, you know, safety equipment. Man, it really is just amazing to me how often some of these, like, worst working condition places might not be nearly as bad if it was based off of need and not because of, like, well, we got to keep, we got to keep digging, we got to keep you know, drilling, got to keep doing all these things because we got to keep the number going up, 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 up. It can't ever, it can't ever yeah. stagnate. If you're, if you are a publicly traded company, then you have a legal responsibility to shareholders under our current system in, you know, the capitalism in the American economic landscape. A company that is publicly traded has to make the number go up or else they can get sued by the shareholders, you know, and it's ridiculous because it is a mindset that is based solely around enrichment and not around, you know, doing anything that's necessary or making anything actually better for anybody. Just make someone rich. Plus, it's impossible. Make people rich. Infinite infinite growth is, by definition, impossible to achieve. Like, (laughs) like, it's never going to happen. Like, it's one of those things, like, when you really stop to think about profit and, and the way that it works... It just is mind-boggling because it's just like it. It just you don't need to know how. Like you don't need to have a fancy education or anything to go to understand that it is impossible. It is impossible to keep pushing everything to be a profit without something giving in eventually. That's just not how life works. Yeah, yeah but it's uh. It doesn't keep people from trying it all the time, every day. I'm, I'm reminded of a person who is stuck rolling a boulder up a hill. <laughs> yeah. Sisyphus. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's a very, that's right. Uh, yep. That's capitalism right. Capitalism is 
very uh, Sisyphean, <laughs> a Sisyphean endeavor, constantly rolling profits up the hill and being crushed by the by the uh, consequences. The only difference <laughs> is the boulder sometimes is the world on fire. Yeah, true. Yep. Well, I think that's a good place <laughs> as any to, to wrap yep. it up. <laughs> so, so uh, and with that, we'll uh, catch you the next time. All right. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Well, hold on, hold on. I'm gonna I'm gonna cut this and patch this in. I should I should also mention if you have any feedback for yep. us or uh, any episode suggestions to call us or don't call me. <laughs> we, we got our first uh, we got our first viewer mail uh, in our Gmail account. That was very exciting for us because that was the first time we've had somebody. We've had a few people who are like our friends mm-hmm. who got into the show initially when yeah, we were bothering right. them when we first made it, you know, and they, they've been giving us pretty good feedback, but this was the first time where we had somebody that we had, didn't know at all and have never talked to before who listened to the show, liked it, and sent us an email and, you know, had you know, feedback for us, um, had things that they asked for, that kind of thing, and yep. that Thank was you. terrific. That was really great. And you know more yeah, thank, of that would be wonderful. I think all of yeah, us. Would thanks so much for listening, and special you. thanks again to Feek the Signifier for giving us the the YouTube bump. Uh, really pushed our numbers up and and got our uh, got our our audience broadened quite a bit. So I'm excited to see where it goes from here. So if you have any feedback, uh, hit us up at hedgepod at gmail.com, h e g e p o d at gmail.com, or at hedgepod on Twitter, um, and that will be that'll do it for us. We will. Catch you the next time. Bye. Bye Bye for real.